So now we're on to the part where I talk about every topic I talked about on the podcast. I keep saying podcast, sorry. Um, so I'm uh, touching on every topic, um, but um, not in depth. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, so the first thing that I talked about in episode 81, and oh, by the way, I won't um, put all the things I'm talking about in the show notes because that would just be insane. But I'm putting links into the episodes um, where I first talked about the topic in German. And so I hope you, that you can find everything you need there. And if you can't, just leave me a comment on the blog, which is at creativemother.de. And then I'll, uh, um, I'll help you out. Mm. So the first thing I talked about was the thing with plastics. So now you're asking, what does that have to do with uh, crafting? Um, not much. But um, at that time I had read like two books about um, the problems with plastics. So... Um, and I had known about it before as well. So... As you probably know too, they're right in the middle of the ocean. There's um, a part where everything ends up. Um, and there the water looks clear and nice and it's just full of plastics. It's microplastic. Um, you can't even see it. And turns out microplastics is not only in the ocean, it's also in our blood, in our soil, it's everywhere. That's because plastic doesn't, um, uh, how to say that in English, you can't make compost from plastic. It doesn't rot. Um, and that can be a problem. So I read a book um, by a woman who had seen um, a movie. It's called Planet Plastic, I think, uh, but I think it's in German. So, for those of you um, who don't speak German, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you can uh, watch it in uh, English or not. But um, where uh, the the filmmakers had made that, that whole uh, problem crystal clear and uh, said that we don't know what in uh, is in those plastics and we don't know how it affects our health and the environment and everything so she decided to just um uh start um not using plastic anymore and she um sent an email to the filmmaker and he of course thought her plan was brilliant and he did another film about her sorry i um the noises that um i was um turning my microphone around because um the uh, microphone stand is sagging a bit so and i was just slumping over to follow the microphone so i just put it a bit um up so um so they did this huge thing she um she wrote a blog uh about the whole experience and a book and it was really interesting because um, she was doing it um, together with this filmmaker. They really made it into a big event. Um, so they actually moved not all of the plastic out of their house because they decided to just leave the, um, like the water lines and such in, um, but everything they could 
and to replace it with non-plastic uh, things. They found some things were completely impossible to replace. So you can't really get uh, a cell phone without plastic or a computer. And they decided to keep the ones that they had and continue using them. Um, they uh, like plastic bottles, plastic bags, um, everything. It was really interesting and that got me thinking. And so I made a whole episode about that. But the thing is that I tried to reduce plastic. I always felt that um, we are not using all that much because I don't usually use uh, plastic bags um, at the stores. I always say, no, I don't want your plastic bag. I have uh, my own bag. Um, but... Um, a lot of the food that we buy comes in plastic. Like we um, we eat mostly organic uh, meat and uh, uh, cheese and um, milk and yogurt. And all of these things are wrapped in plastic in some way. And then I tried to reduce that um, and it got uh, somewhat stressful. And like I went to the farmer's market to buy cheese and he is using uh, waxed paper to wrap the cheese. And I'm not even sure that there's no plastic in that paper because I found out that some things that I thought were just paper are coated in plastic uh, anyways. So and then I, f I saw that he every time he cuts a piece of cheese off, he then wraps the remaining cheese in a fresh layer of plastic again. So that's a bit pointless. And um, yeah, and so I'm not actually doing much different than before, but I'm still thinking about it. I, th I hope that uh, things will change slowly over time. Um, so, but yeah, so not that fun uh, a topic, but something that I thought is really interesting. And like with the with the yarn for uh, Sophie's Universe, um, the yarn that the designer used is cotton yarn. So that's great. But the cotton, it's not only cotton, it's cotton and poly something. Um, acrylic, I think. I'm not quite sure. Um, and then I found that, yeah, I don't want to use that yarn because um, it has acrylic in it and that's plastic. Um, on the other hand, I, I ordered my yarn, which is 100% uh, wool, and it was in all these bags. Um, and so, hmm. yeah, so I see that and right along the well. Um, some things are really uh, great, like um, I have um, the peppermint tea that I like drinking is um, wrapped in something that looks like plastic, but is um, I have no idea what it's made out of, but uh, they say you can put it in the compost. And so um, that's a good thing. Um, though on the other hand, I have no idea what chemicals and such are involved in the process of making that, but at least um, it should be biodegradable. Um, so yeah, so I'm still um, searching for a way through that. 
but I'm pretty sure that reducing plastic overall is a very, very good idea. Um, the next episode, episode 82, was the uh, Tour de Fleece 2017 prep episode. Um, so um, I was a bit on the fence about um, what to do during Tour de Fleece. Uh, I knew I wanted to participate. I really love it. Um, and I had this big blob of um, red uh, merino uh, fiber sitting there wanting to be um, a yarn for a sweater. And um, so what I did was I took all that fiber that was um, and giving off dye like crazy and I washed it again. And then I took it and started carding it. And what I had wanted to do was I wanted to card the whole fiber before the tool started. And what did happen was I didn't. So um, in the end, um, uh, um, well, yeah, I'll talk about that a little later. I don't know. Um, in the end, I just um, carded it as I went. So I usually sat down for like 15 minutes and um, I used hand cards because um, I don't have a, a drum carder. Mm. And it it's not too much work. So I could card up um, enough fiber to spin uh, over the course of two days or so. So that went pretty fast. Um, and then I put it in a bag and then I spun it and then I'd run out of prepared fiber and then I'd cart it again. Um, so that worked. There's still quite a bit left though. So um, yeah. Um, yeah. And that led to episode 83 where I talked about unfinished things. <laughs> yeah, surprise. Um, because I felt weighed down by all the things sitting there, not quite finished. And uh, I don't know if you know about it, there, there's this thing called the Zygarnik effect. And that means that you're, if you don't finish something, you're um, more likely to remember it later and to think about it. And I can totally see that because Wherever I look, here is, oh, I still need to do that. Oh, and I wanted to finish that. And, oh, this isn't quite done. And often it's just a step or two before uh, you can just say, okay, this is finished, I can put this away. But um, so I didn't manage to prepare all the fiber before the tour de fleece. And I didn't manage to, oh, I don't know, tons of stuff uh, always. And that's usually also because I'm doing too many things at a time. And so if you start a lot of projects, it's harder to finish one because your um, time and energy is spread out. Um, so, and at the time I started reading uh, the book Growing Guilds, uh, which I can really recommend. I started doing it. It's a program for people who are creative and who want to learn how to focus their um, attention and energy and time and for people who um, are just uh, working and doing all the things all the time and feel like it's never going anywhere 
So really great program and I didn't finish it yet. <laughs> but um, so she says it's much better to just take one or two things and then really work on that. And then you have um, a feeling of completion and you know you have something, especially with creative products. I mean, and crafting projects. Like when I start five pairs of socks and I knit on every pair um i knit on the socks every day for half an hour but i rotate through them then it will take me like uh, let me think half an hour a day um would be like a month for a pair of socks but if it's spread out over um five pairs then it's um five months before you finish anything. And then you'll finish a lot of things at the same time, but still, mm, you get the drift. Um, so um, I was talking about that. And um, I'm still not sure how to focus my energy and time in one place. I'm trying to. So the podcast is uh, really important, has become more important over the past month. So I'm really focusing on getting out an episode every other week. I'm also focusing on my writing and on the blog. And um, I'm not quite sure that I'm seeing... No, that's not true. I do see some improvement, but um, still. I could be better. It's like my husband uh, always says... Uh, music is my main thing. This is what I do. And nothing else is as important. And I can totally see that. But um, I've tried. It doesn't work for me. And even with him, it's really funny because he says, it's only improvisation. It's only music. It's only guitar. But he also plays drums and bass and violin. He also um, plays songs uh, written by other people. He has like uh, about a dozen different guitars. He Well, there's one that he says, this is my main one and this is the most important one, but um, he still doesn't want to part with any of his guitars. And I can totally understand that. So I'm... I'm even worse than him because it's music, it's writing, it's knitting, it's spinning, it's everything. Um, you know, I think I completely forgot to talk about what I was sewing because I wanted to say sewing when I was uh, describing, oh, this is important, this is important. And then I realized that um, I don't really sew anything at the moment, which is um, bad. And then I realized I completely forgot to talk about um, my sewing projects because, yeah, there was only one. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, there was this uh, purple top that I made from the Alabama Studio book and uh, sewn by hand and was really enjoyable. And I finished that in June uh, when I was uh, yeah visiting my parents. And um, but I found that I had made a mistake in um, attaching the um, facing for the neck, and um, so it um, it was too wide. I I should have um, yeah I should have attached it differently. So because the neckline is curved, and so when you sew it on completely straight, 
then the inner curve will be too wide. And I didn't realize that until uh, finishing it. And then for a short time, I, was w I wore the top uh, as is with the sagging neckline, uh, but I wasn't really happy with that. So um, I took it off again and um, pinned it back. And then I ran out of pins. And um, so that has been sitting around since July or so. Um, yeah, I need to get back to that. I mean... <laughs> Reattaching the facing will take about 60 minutes or so. But I just can't bring myself to start it. It's, it's really embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, talking about unfinished projects. So that's sitting in a nice little bag on the kitchen bench as well. So um, when talking about unfinished projects, I think I also talked about... Um, The uh, Getting Things Done system by David Allen and his uh, system of lists. Um, I don't know if you're fami familiar with those. Um, there are the lists of things to do today and the things of lists to do this week. And then there is, and that was um, something that resonated with a lot of uh, listeners apparently, the Someday Maybe list. So those are things that don't really count as unfinished business because you just put them on a list to say, someday maybe I want to do that, but not right now, and that's okay. Um, the good thing is you can then revisit that list uh, every few months or so, or once a year, And then you look at it and say, oh, this is something I don't want to do anymore. Or this is something that's become more important. So I'll put it on a real list of things to do. And so, um, but you, you make sure that you don't forget about those things. Like, well, one day I'd like, for me, one thing that's always on that list is um, learn how to draw. So I have a pile of books about the subject. I have nice pencils. I have nice uh, sketchbooks. I don't draw. So if you don't draw, you don't get better at it. Yeah, funny thing that. Mm. So, but right now I find that um, it's not really urgent. And if I never get around to it, it's somewhat okay. I'd love to. Um, but right now it doesn't really fit into my day. So I set it aside. Like, okay, this is something that I really want to do someday, not today. And that's not unfinished business. That's totally in order. So I tried thinking about things in the craft part of my life that might be um, someday maybe things. And that would be something like... I have this dream of um, doing a um, Bronze Age uh, garment um, with the appropriate techniques like um, grow my own flax and um, prepare it and spin it and then weave it on a, um, what's it called, um, warp uh, weighted loom and um, spin it on the spindle, of course. Um, And uh, same with a wool outer garment and then make like um, these um, bands. What's it called? 
I want to say tapestry, but that's that's completely wrong. Tablet woven bands, and and then um, again warp weighted loom, and then hand sew the whole thing. That will be so cool. I'm pretty sure I'll never do that, but that's on my someday maybe list. Like do a complete um, Bronze Age um, shift and dress um, all. Uh, the way they did it in the Bronze Age. Um, I don't need to have my own sheep, though. Um, and I would be completely all right with buying the flax. Yeah, I think I don't need to ret it and... Oh, no. Yeah, but um, still, a pretty big project. Won't be doing that soon. Um, episode 85 was the, oh, and I wanted to say with the someday maybe list, sorry, um, that uh, I got a lot of responses by, by listeners to this, where they share their own um, things that were on the someday maybe list. And that was so cool and interesting. And also, if you want to um, have a look at um, the listeners of the podcast and what they're doing, um, um, I've uh, asked everybody to um, send me a picture of what they are doing while listening to the podcast and you can find those um, under the hashtag handgemachtpodcast on Instagram and on Twitter. There are way more on Instagram than on Twitter though. And um, I really love hearing uh, from you guys and seeing all those pictures always makes me completely happy. And if you want to make completely sure that I see it, um, you can also um, uh, address it to me. I'm uh, at Free Jazz Mama on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. Creative Mother was already taken, unfortunately. So episode 85 was the Tour de Fleece recap. And that, again, was I was pretty um, content with what I got done. I was also pretty unhappy about not finishing uh, that that fiber. I really wanted this to be done and it still isn't. And I'm dragging this around and um, yeah. But Tour de Fleece was a lot of fun again. I was not quite as enthusiastic about it as I have been in the past but maybe that was also because I wasn't all that um, excited about my project so um, just sitting down spinning more of the same uh, fiber that's um, yeah the color is nice by the way that's the one I dyed and then I had it all felt on me and ah uh, yeah so this one this project's really hmm I don't know, it's slightly tainted. And there are still times when I think, okay, I'll just throw it in the bin. I won't finish it, um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, then there was uh, episode 86 um, that was called Yes, I'm Particular. Because I found, um, I was ranting about the Twisted Souls uh, sock pattern that I was so discontent with it and the, the cables at the outsides of the pattern weren't mirrored but turning in the same direction and that was just rubbing me the wrong way. And um, there were a couple of other things like... Um, uh, an explanation in another sock pattern about how to do something 
that um, had me do it completely wrong. Where I thought, well, she should have phrased that completely different, and it would have been much, much easier. And um, then I found that I often look at, uh, especially at knitted things, and think, this is just wrong. You should do it this way, and I don't like this because of that. And um, uh, all of a sudden, I had this feeling that, oh yeah, I'm really particular because this thing is not to my liking and so I will uh, not look at the whole thing uh, and there are so many ways in which like what about, I don't know some, some, there were several things w that week where I had thought uh, I don't like that, should be different I don't like that, should be different and um, for that most people wouldn't even um, realize that or like they wouldn't even see that there was something. Uh, they were like, oh, yeah, nice sweater. And I was like, yeah, but this detail is all wrong. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, I think it might have to do with being a creative person who, um, I don't know, or other things. But then I found that quite a few other uh, podcast listeners were also saying, yeah, um, I don't really like it. Like uh, one listener said, she had started a sweater with a um, provisional cast on against her feeling that that would be a bad idea. And then she fin finished the sweater and found that, yes, that was a really bad idea. <laughs> um, and, and things like that. So when, um, I don't know. And and now I can't think of of another example, but there there are quite a few people out there who are indeed particular, and like things to be exactly this way and not another way. But what we found out uh, through the discussion in the podcasting of Deutsch group was also that um, not only um, uh, there were things that some people like very much and others dislike. Um, really with all my heart and vice versa so um, there are things that I really love like for example um, I knit all my socks on double pointed needles um, I know there are people who hate those and uh, you always use magic loop or use uh, like two circulars like um, Cat Bordy does and that drives me so insane it's not that I can't do it I can perfectly well. It's just that the dangling circles are driving me crazy and um, I feel like I'm always losing the flow because I have to move those uh, needles around and and then uh, the one that I'm not knitting with at the moment is just dangling there and driving me crazy. Uh, but I also know that other people uh, really dislike uh, d d double pointed so, um, needles and say, yeah, and they're always slipping out and they're, uh, I don't know, they're poking me and uh, I can't knit with them and that's uh, well, wh whatever. Or like um, I use five double points and I know that a lot of uh, people in uh, the US and the UK use uh, four. And that drives me completely crazy because it moves wrong. Um, I think it might have to do uh, something to do with uh, how you knit as well, because I think maybe if you're um, 
uh, what's the the other thing? Continental and whatever. If you're a thrower, then maybe four needles work better because um, it's a bit more rigid. The whole thing might be. I have no idea. Haven't tried it. So then there was episode 87 that was knitting on the road. And that was mainly me talking about my London trip. Um... As I said, I, I did take um, a spindle and uh, the sock knitting project, but I don't think I pulled out my spindle at all. There was one point when I wanted to, but that was when I was staying uh, with a friend and she has a cat. And I thought, well, if I now pull out um, a spindle, I don't know what the cat will do because she's not the cat is not used to um people spinning. So I didn't. Uh, so I I dragged that project around um half of Europe and um didn't unpack it even I, th I think I'm not quite sure might have uh, spun on it once or twice. Um yeah, so spinning mojo is really down with me. It's uh, it's it's sad. I should do more because I like it. I like the the yarn. It's just it takes so long. It's really yeah. Buying yarn is so much uh, faster. Funny, yeah. Um. So and I told a lot about walking through London and seeing. Well, I didn't really see all the sights. That's the thing. I always have this feeling that I'm doing traveling wrong because you should go to London and try to see everything. Um, and I didn't because I knew I wanted to go to the Victoria and Albert and I spent two really, really pleasant days there. Um, the first day I walked all the way to the Victoria and Albert from, I stayed near Russell Square um, and the British Library. Um, so um, that was like a one hour walk and then I spent several hours in the museum and then I walked all the way back. Um, the second day I went to the, um, what's it called? I think it's Knit and Die uh, yarn shop. I'm not quite sure, sorry. And um, uh, I went there walking all the way again over the Thames. And that then I went from there to the Globe Theatre and along the Thames and across the river and... I had thought about um, seeing a Buckingham Palace and such, but uh, by then my feet hurt and I thought, well, I just want something to eat and go home. And so I did, because, I mean, it's my vacation. If I feel like I have already seen enough and can't... I mean, that's the other thing. Um, if I had gone on to see more things, I would have looked at them, but I wouldn't have been able to take them really in. So you've... It's like going to a museum. I find that after two hours or so, I'm really filled up and then I need a break. And then I can look, oh, I don't know, for maybe an hour more or so. And then it's all completely futile. I stand there and look at things and think, oh, yeah, there's a thing. And then I go and think, oh, there's another thing. And it doesn't really make an impression or anything because... Um, there's only so much I can take in and then I have to think about it and uh, let it sit a bit. Um, then, I'm not quite sure. And then that was the day I think that I went to Oxford. Um, 
And there again, I was thinking about, yeah, I should sit in a tea shop and have real English tea. I, I would have loved to and scones and such, but it was so full of tourists. It was really, I couldn't bear it. It's, uh, it's always the same. It's it, because it always reminds me like um, I'm living uh, pretty close to Munich. And when I go to Munich and I used to live in Munich. Um, so you go to Munich, um, you get out at the train station and you walk into uh, the crowd. So I often have to go like right into the middle of the city. That's where the old part of the city where all the tourists go. It's like Marienplatz and Hofbräuhaus. I'm pretty sure you all have heard about that. Yeah. And the Oktoberfest, but that's a um, different part of the city. Not too far away. You can walk between the two. So um, I get out of the thing. So I've never even tried to watch the uh, glockenspiel there so that's where all the tourists stand there at noon and watch the spectacle and there's this um i don't know how to to say there are these figures coming out of a tower and so mechanical there's a uh, music with bells and figures like uh, pretending to dance um it's a tourist attraction and it well, I don't know how often that goes on. But um, if I happen to be in the vicinity and around the time, it's like, oh God, it's that time again, then you just hurry away. And the thing is that when I went to uh, London, I had the same impulse. So I went along the Thames and to the Globe Theatre and there were all these buskers and uh, all these tourists, and it was really, really full. Um, oh, I went to London for six days. Uh, well, or five, something. I didn't have a drop of rain. I mean, imagine that. Going to the UK, and you don't have to use your rain jacket once. Not once. The weather was really gorgeous, and it was hot and sunny all the time was so great and I was dressed a bit too warm because the only shoes that I have that I can walk for miles and miles in are ones that only work with uh, pants and so I was um, yeah way too hot a lot of the time but I was really set on uh, taking minimal uh, baggage um, so I just had this day pack and um and a, a messenger bag. So I just had like basically one change of underwear t-shirt and uh, that was it. Mm. And of course all the knitting and a uh, notebook and such as you do. Um, so, uh, so I had the same impulse in, in London as well. So I was thinking about going to Buckingham Palace and look at Big Ben and blah blah. And I was like, oh no, I can't do that. It's so full of tourists. I have to get out of here. Um, and so in Oxford, it was even worse. And there were all these people saying, can you take my picture? Can you take my picture? And I say, okay, yeah, do, yeah, okay. And there were all these groups of people standing right in the middle of the um, sidewalk and you couldn't pass them because they were looking at things. And I was like, yeah, but I want to walk here. So... Yeah, that was one day where I went to Oxford and I knew I wanted to look at several of the colleges and yeah, but I never did any tours or anything. 
So, and then there was the day when I thought, well, my feet really hurt now and I don't want to walk as much today. So I stayed um, in for most of the day and just uh, visited the, like, uh, the British Library. And then I went to the British Museum really shortly. And I would have loved to see more of that. But um, by then I was like, it was like, oh, I've seen so much and I can't take it all in and I need a day off. And then the last day that I was in London, I went to um, the Victorian Orbit again because there were specific things that I wanted to look at, like the glass uh, exhibition and uh, what else? Furniture, um, I don't know, ceramics, something like that. So I had a list of things that I still wanted to see there and I really, really enjoyed that. And then I went uh, home again um, by way of Brussels. So um, first time I went through Brussels on that trip, I walked around a lot. I saw the um, uh, famous mannequin piss and um, I don't know, just walked around Brussels. And um, on my way back, I found that, oh no, I can't do this. So I basically holed up in the main station and waited for my train and um, had something to eat and to drink. Um, that was really interesting um, because um, in Brussels I found that everybody spoke um, French and of course uh, Belgian. I think I, I'm not quite sure what the language is called. Sorry. I know it's just like Dutch, uh, but it's Flemish or something. So, um, and people were uh, changing between those two languages like without effort. Um, and so, since nobody was talking English or, uh, of course, German, why should they? Um, I was trying to order everything in French. I did have French in school, but uh, my French is really, really bad. And so, it was so funny because nobody understood me at all. And uh, that was the other thing in London. I um, I got by pretty pretty well, of course, but sometimes I couldn't understand people. And I was thinking like, oh, I'm the dumb tourist and I don't understand people and my English isn't good enough. And then on the train back from Brussels to Frankfurt, um, I went and ordered something in the cafe. And um, so the um, the waiter there, he said something to me in German because it was a German chain. And I didn't understand him because he has uh, had a dialect that I'm not used to. And I didn't think anything of it. It was as he said something and I said, oh, could you, please, I didn't understand you. And then he repeated it. But when I'm uh, somewhere else where uh, people don't speak German and I don't understand him, I think, oh God, I'm so dumb, I didn't understand that. But I don't have to understand everything. And I don't have to feel that self-conscious if people don't understand me because um, they have the same problem. I find that sometimes when um, like I meet uh, people who, uh, while they're speaking English, um, English and uh, otherwise, uh, they speak German, but German's not their native language, then often they pronounce things just slightly wrong. Um, and then I don't understand anything at all. 
And the same thing happens, of course, when I talk English. Um, and especially since there are so many uh, words that I only know uh, through, re through reading. And um, so you just um, say them slightly wrong and um, the other person doesn't understand anything. Um, but if that happens in your uh, own language, then you don't really think about it. Like um, my husband often un doesn't understand me because I'm uh, speaking differently from him because I'm from Northern Germany and he's from Bavaria. And so just, um, I don't know, just the way... Um, your um, what's it called the, the melody that you make when you're talking um, that that's different and so he uh, often doesn't understand me um, which is funny because we've been together for decades um, but still and so um, yeah I found that really interesting because when that happens to me while um, with people who speak English for example then um, I feel much more self-conscious as if that happens to me when I'm speaking German with people. Because, um, of course, I'm not self-conscious about speaking German. Um, I am German. That's what I speak. Um, even if I have uh, trouble understanding someone because he's from a part of Germany where they speak completely differently. Um, though I've become um, much better at that through uh, moving around the country a lot and meeting more people who um, from other parts of the, the country. Um, so you get more flexible. Um, okay, um, episode 88. Let me see. Yeah, I think I will have to divide this episode again into two parts. And this time I will make that into two different blog posts so that people who listen to this through a feed reader will get both episodes. And I'm really sorry that I haven't gotten around to uh, doing that for the older English episodes. So if you have listened to an English episode that uh, stops abruptly without the outro, then you have missed the second part because I just put um, the two audio files into um, the um, blog posts and only later I found out that that means that often people won't get the second part. I'm sorry. I will change that, but... Not this week and not the next. I'm really, really um, busy. Yeah, I know. What else is new? So, um, episode 88, as I said, was um, uh, called Fall Beginnings. Because as, as many people, I often feel that um, fall is uh, when everything starts new again. It's like starting a new year, only with less slush and cold and more nice fall colors and sunny days. So um, that was when I was talking about um, the joy of um, yeah, settling down again, getting back to routine, um, to the things that you're used to. And I found, find that always very freeing and um, calming and helpful to settle back into my normal life to have a day that's structured to have a certain time of day when i get up when i um, eat when i go to bed and to know okay the week will look like this and i'll do this and this and that and so and um 
I know that uh, many creative people think that when they have a routine and things are um, always the same, that that is boring and uncreative. But I find that it really frees up my mind and my energy. I mean, I don't have to think about, will I do this or will I do that? Because I know that my days like I get up and I have breakfast and then I meditate and then I write a blog post and then I work on my writing until my husband gets up and then we talk and then I exercise and then we make lunch and then I teach and then um, the day is basically over. Um, whereas when um, when it's uh, like summer break or I'm on vacation, you have to think, okay, do I get up now or do I get up later? And um, do I start the day with exercise or do I want to just sit here and knit and, and write later? And so you have to make all these decisions and they um, pull all your energy and your thoughts. And um, But if I know, okay, every morning I sit down, I work on my writing, then and I actually do it every day, then I know that when I sit down, ideas will come, I will be able to write, and afterwards I will feel completely happy because I've done the thing that's most important in my life. Um, but, um, yeah, so, and, and that's the other thing that I really like about being at home. Um, apart from um, having a cozy bed, having a house that suits me, um, the things that um, I don't have to think about where to go grocery shopping or um, where to find things. Or um, when you're traveling, especially when you're um, doing something where you're um, going from place to place a lot, like um, like one of those bus tours where you uh, change hotels every other day or so. Um, you always have to find out, okay, where can I buy food? Where can I go for dinner? Uh, which restaurant might be nice? And that I find that, that takes up a lot of um, energy. It's also exciting and uh, an adventure. And I do like to do that. So one of the best vacations that I've ever had was when my husband and I went to Crete in 1995 and we went during fall break which is always the first um, week in November or a bit earlier around that point and um, so we went and we had only the flight booked went to Heraklion and found a hotel next day we just sat on a bus and said, okay, we'll go to Rathamnon and um, uh, stepped off the bus and there was a guy saying, yeah, do you do you need a, a hotel? And we said, yeah, we need a hotel. So, yeah, come with me, I have a hotel. And so we checked in there. So we did the whole uh, vacation like that. It was one week. Um, we just thought, oh, let's go somewhere else tomorrow or let's stay another night and then we stepped off the bus and there was someone there and said do you need do you need a bed for tonight I said yeah we need a bed yeah my place is just uh, around the corner and so we said yeah okay we'll stay here and it was really really nice and it was really really pleasant and um, it was uh, still pretty warm and there weren't that many tourists there at that time of year 
And well, that was a bit of a problem because um, um, after November 1st, everything closed down. So we had, um, at times, we had trouble finding restaurants that were open. So, but all in all, it was really, really nice. Um, but I don't want to spend my whole life like that. I really love knowing that, okay, on um, Wednesdays, I go grocery shopping in that store and I find uh, the pasta in this aisle and then I'll take that. And so I don't have to think about all these small things like um, where to go, what to eat. It's like ah, much better to be home. And so I find that it frees so much energy um, to just know um, what a day is going to look like and then I know, okay, if I want to uh, do this and that, then I have to put it here and there and then I can do it and everything's calm and quiet and nice. And so I was really happy about school starting again, <laughs> even though I have to uh, work more. Um, um, but that's not hardship. I do like my job, really. Um, so it could be much worse. Um, maybe that's part of why I like um, everyday routine is because I also like um, my work. Huh. So, and then uh, episode 89. So we're almost through here. Um, episode 89 was about the... Um, uh, German Reveler meeting in Bielefeld and uh, the episode was called Bielefeld Spins because that's what the event was called. So um, Bielefeld is pretty special to me because that's uh, the city. Is it a city or is it a town? Um, yeah, something in between probably. Uh, it's the place where I was born and grew up and um, when I was almost 15, we left and moved to a smaller town nearby. So, and since that time, I only was, I, I only have been in Bielefeld like twice or so, because I don't have friends there anymore. My parents moved away from the town we moved in, so they're living um, 120 kilometers away or so from Bielefeld, and there's really no reason to visit. Um, so, but I thought, well, if they are holding a revelry meeting there, I have to go. Um, the the city was pretty full with tourists that weekend, interestingly, because there was a big... Um, uh, a kitchen fair because um, the uh, kitchen industry is pretty big there. So, like furniture uh, companies that produce um, kitchens, cupboards, cupboards and such. Um, I just um, stopped recording because um, I needed. Uh, sorry, again, um, my voice isn't what it should be. I think I'm having a bit of a cold. Um, sorry. Mm. So, um, yeah, I went there on Friday and I had to reschedule all my students. Um, and, but I don't have that many students on Friday, so that uh, worked. So I went there on Friday morning by train, of course. Mm. And uh, it was really, really pleasant um, going there. It's... Um, um, 
it's the same way that um, I need to go when I visit my parents. So um, I knew all the, the train stations where I had to change and everything. And then, of course, um, when we came nearer um, Bielefeld, I was like, well, I know that and, and I know that and, and I know that. And I was really surprised that I did remember um, the place so well because it really hasn't changed much. And I mean, that's maybe because um, where I live now, things change a lot. There's always construction going on. Every time um, and somebody old dies, um, their house gets um, torn down and then you find uh, somebody who will build like four houses in the place of one. Because Munich um, is one of the few cities in uh, Germany where um, there are a lot of jobs and so a lot of people move here from other parts of Germany. Um, whereas Bielefeld is um, a place where a lot of people move away from because there aren't a lot of jobs there. So, um, um, and the positive side of that is that the, the uh, place hasn't really changed. It was so weird. Um, so first I found my hotel and then I walked all the way from the hotel through uh, the city looking at my old um, school and then looking at the castle that they have there and then walking atop the uh, Teutoburger Wald, um, uh, which is like uh, there's this hilly... Um, crest a wooden it's, it's, it's uh, wood all the way and it, it has hills and um so i went uh there and then i went all the way to uh the where we used to live and um you know like uh where we the duck pond where we used to um skate in the winter and um the kindergarten that I visited and my old elementary school and then all the way back to the hotel. Um, I think I walked for three hours or so that day um, and I soaked it all in and um, of course it was raining a bit but not too much. Um, uh, so in Bielefeld, I actually did need not only my raincoat, but also my umbrella. Um, it was just so great. Things haven't changed. So you look at the houses and you think, oh, that's the house of that family that I used to know. And oh, they changed the color or they added a garage or a balcony. And that was it. Um, the only thing that was really different was that um, there used to be uh, like a cornfield, wheat wheat field behind um, the houses where, um, where I used to live. And um, that's full of houses now, no more fields in that part. But um, other than that, it was all basically the same. Like stores had changed, and I mean, restaurants were a little different, but um, that was it. So I could walk through that city where I used to live and where I hadn't been for decades, and I still knew my way around. And um, even in the the inner city, where all the um, 
big um, shops are. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. So that was my first day there. And on the second day, um, um, I went to the actual reveler meeting. Um, and uh, there were um, two other people who are active in the podcasting of Deutsch group who um, were there and we had um, said we'd meet up. Um, and I had a um, spinning class um, before that um, about uh, medieval spinning with a uh, distaff and uh, those, uh, one of those um, medieval spindles where you have uh, like a, um, a clay wall on a, um, on a shaft and the shaft is not, um, but it's, it's, it's a bit different than uh, modern spindles. And that class was really great and I really loved the teacher, um, what's her name, Katrin Kanya. Um, she blogs at a stitch in time uh, in English. It's um, I love the blog. I've started reading it shortly before the meeting and have been ever since. Um, so we had that um, class and I thought, oh, this will be a piece of cake. I know how to spin on the spindle and with the stuff. Oh, no, no problem. <laughs> you think um, the spinning is much different when one, with one of these spindles. So the distaff was not as much of a problem. I have spun with the distaff once before uh, when I took a flax spinning class. But um, the, I'm used to um, mostly Bosworth spindles and also some. I have some Turkish spindles that I use. So when you start them, they turn like forever. But um, that spindle that we used in the class, um, you start it and it stops pretty much right away. So I was all focused on um, drafting with the distaff. And while I was doing that, my spindle was already spinning backwards. <laughs> and so I think mine fell down to the floor um, most often. And then I found that really I will have to practice that for quite some time before I can master it. Um, but um, as I said, the class was really great and um, I learned quite a bit, which I didn't expect beforehand. And I bought myself a medieval spindle and will learn how to use it eventually. I didn't buy a distaff because I thought I can make one myself. I don't really need to spend money on that and try to take a distaff with me while riding on the train. So um, the only other thing I bought, no, there were two other things. I bought one skein of sock yarn and really, really nice autumn colors. Um, and I bought one set of P DPNs or two, I'm not quite sure. I bought DPNs and that was it. I went through the marketplace like five times. There were really nice things there, but mm, I don't know. Um, I would have liked to buy spinning fiber, but um, I couldn't find something that I really wanted. Like uh, there were quite a bit of pastel colors uh, which I don't like and lots of blues <laughs> which I don't like and uh, or I saw some 
fiber, I thought, oh, nice color. And then I looked at the uh, fiber content and there was something in there that I don't uh, use because I find it too scratchy. I'm not quite sure that it was mohair or something. So yeah, um, and um, I don't know, I had the feeling that the festival was really, um, it was really great. Uh, the organization was um, good. Um, the food was really great. Um, everything was fine. The location was impressive. But I think they didn't advertise it quite enough. Um, I mean, uh, Bielefeld is not a tourist destination usually, so that might have been a problem. Um, but also, I think that there were a lot of people who didn't even know that this was happening. And so, and there was another fiber related fair nearby on the same weekend. Um, and that one is every year, so people know that it's on and they come back every every year. Um, so yeah, I think it was a bit sad um, for, especially for the people who uh, wanted to sell things there. Um, I had the, I mean, it was great for uh, us customers because um, you could just walk around and look at things in a leisurely way. But I mean, um, shopkeepers were just standing around and um, yeah. So um, I was a bit sorry for them. Um, I did have uh, tickets for both days, but I ended up going home again on Sunday at nine. So I didn't go back to the uh, festival on Sunday. But then I had already seen everything and bought. Well, I didn't quite buy everything because um, I kept thinking of the... Um, there was a fiber advent calendar in one uh, booth that I really liked. And then I stood there and thought, oh, no, I, I don't get this. Uh, no, no, no. And uh, But this would really be really nice. So, And I actually ordered it on the train on my way back. I'm like, okay, I'll buy this too. And then there was um, one... So the books that uh, Katrin Kanya had with her were, were really great. And I would have loved to buy the one about um, medieval clothing. But that one's like 67 euros and not quite in the budget. But I did buy the um, uh, Middle Ages Unlocked book. Uh, that one's in English and she wrote it together with... Uh, another author whose name I've completely forgotten but I bought that book again on the train on my way back because I wanted it as an ebook. I'm mm, much more likely to read books if they are ebooks than uh, if they are on paper these days I know it's a bit weird but um, I really like it I um, take my ebook reader with me everywhere and um, if I don't have it with me, I can have all the books on my phone. And um, so, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, and I like, I can make um, the letters bigger and um, I can flip between books. Um, well, it's, it's not a problem. I can like, I can have hundreds of books 
uh, on a device that's um, about the same size and weight as a book, as a paperback book. So um, there were two more things that I bought um, at the festival, but nobody knew that that was because of the festival, because I ordered them online. Yeah, yeah I think this Fiber Advent Calendar thing will come in November. I had totally forgotten about this. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, the woman who um, makes these is um, the shop's called Steffi's Wolle. And the great thing about it is that um, you don't get just um, willy-nilly little tufts of spinning fiber, but you can choose. You say, uh, I did order the um, sock yarn in warm colors um, advent calendar. And um, so it means all the colors will go together. They're all warm colors. So um, I can actually spin them uh, to make identical pair of sock, uh, for example. And I can actually use them for something. And you can, um, there are several versions. You can have like, all merino or I think there was blue face luster and silk I'm not quite sure and you could have different amounts of fiber um, in your calendar like uh, five grams a day 10 grams a day whatever so um, this one sounds much more useful to me than the usual advent calendar where it's just something I mean, that's exciting, uh, but um, then you have all these little bits of yarn and you can't really do anything with them. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And I completely forgot about it. Yeah, if I had forgotten a bit longer, it would have been more of a surprise. But still, I'm looking really forward to spinning that in December, though I don't think I'll spin the whole calendar uh, from the 1st of December until Christmas. Hmm. We'll see. So I'd say I'm done with this episode and we're at not quite two hours. But as I said, I will um, divide this into two parts um, and uh, put the second part in a different blog post. So, you can find all the show notes to everything I talked about on the blog at creativemother.de. You can send me an email at susanne at creativemother.de. And that is also my PayPal email. Just um, and then... Uh, you can find me on Ravelry as Creative Mother. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, as Free Jazz Mama. And um, anything else? On Patreon. If you just happen to want to um, uh, give me like a bit of money for like uh, web hosting costs and so I can continue to put out an episode every other week um, you can find me on Patreon under uh, patreon.com slash handgemacht um, and also if you might be interested in reading my fiction as it is written 
Oh, this movie is so, so, so scary. Um, you can find that under SusanneWinter.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-N-E, winter, like summer, dot com. So I think uh, those are all the ways to find me online. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, and I wish you happy knitting. Until the next time. Ciao.